0: of August. Remarkably, that has already arrived. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, we are tipping into the autumnal season, which I love. I have always loved that. So many people I know really, really savor the season that is upon us. And I hope wherever you are You are enjoying first harvests and ever-increasing fuller harvests, and I hope you are well. Last time we talked about practical steps for invoking the imagination, and I wanted to check in with you on that, which I'm going to do here in just a second and tell you what's been happening with me since teaching what I need to learn. I tell you what, that seems to be the story of my life, just continuing to teach what I'm learning. And just all these little pointers and tips keep flying into my view and into my world since we even chatted last podcast. So I'll share all that here in a moment. But let's first set the stage because we are already in the next new moon phase, this cycle will reveal the harvest moon just remarkably again. I just can't believe that's already here, but we are going to slow things down and savor. And in fact, right before I came in to to do the podcast here today, it started to rain and I just, I snuck out on the porch and just sat with that for a bit. And There's just so much to do, isn't there? I mean, don't you find that like if you start making lists and checking things off and and being part of everything you want to be a part of, for me at this point in my life, it's crazy making because there's so much I want to engage with and enjoy, but none of that at the expense of being and sanity. And so what to do in that in that circumstance and I just find that I think this is something that's arising from within me as so I just increasingly keep like putting that on the universe's to-do list if you will like I just keep dropping into the moment and I guess what I'm doing if I were to put it into words is asking for a higher intelligence to reveal the next thing to do to enjoy all these projects and and people and events that I want to partake in and contribute to. But I I just don't want to do it in the old fashioned, make a list, make a crazy schedule for the week way. And I'm finding that that is giving me a great sense of peace because my highest self, however you would like to frame that for your own language and understanding, you know, she knows the fullness of the life that I am immersing myself in psychologically and externally and what my dreams are and what my intentions are. And she knows how to do all that in a way that unfolds instead of me like racing around trying to <laughs> get a, everything done. And so just slipping out on the porch there, I, I just reminded myself of that. I'm like, just be here right now and then go do the podcast and then we'll see. We'll see what bubbles up. So I'm leaning into that. If that's helpful to you. Awesome. Awesome. I'm just resisting, although <laughs> I know we try not to do the resisting thing here. We've talked about that many times, but I'm, I'm just setting aside, let's say it that way, the idea of just constantly doing the list making and all the rest of it. Because, you know, typically the fall brings the return to school, the different pace, you know, from the summer. And that's really invigorating to a lot of people and my personality as an INFJ, you know, likes to plan and and do a bit of scheduling. But you know what, just dropping into this more divine intelligence, if you will, and using the images like we are talking about for just visualizing myself having a beautiful pace to the autumn months ahead and enjoying the projects and the people that are on my radar. Just visualizing that and being with those images and breathing just is seeming like the saner way to go. So let's begin our time together here with the new moon and the waxing moon poetry I've written for this beautiful, beautiful phase. Like, who doesn't love the harvest moon cycle? Oh my gosh, it's just so fantastic. So um, the new moon poem I wrote goes like this. Harvest moon, conjure the image, the feeling, orbed honey, liquid gold, mighty ascension, shimmer, shimmer, pull, gravitational tension, arrival, relief, mirror, of the alchemical mysteries, sing to us of embodied home, gathering gold. And for the waxing moon, align with the natural state, with the elegant wonder, asking only to remain in the consciousness of flow. Align. In this way, purpose, Spirit, soul, it really is this simple, a line. You know, I I wrote these several years back, and it just amazes me that whatever's going on, whatever we're covering in the podcast, when I read these poems again, they just speak to the moment. And I certainly did not plan that (laughs) when I wrote them. So I don't know who's responsible for that, but thank you and keep doing your thing because it's not a conscious thing on my part. And I love that about this soulful depth psychological perspective on living is that we see the meaning of those deeper currents and we feel as though it's speaking directly to us. And that we're engaging with it and participating in that conversation. And for me, that gives my life so much meaning. So I hope you're experiencing that as well. So, checking in, um, how did the last few days go with trying these practical steps that we talked about? So, by way of review, we had four steps that we were distilling a lot of the wisdom that I've gathered over the last few years from Neville Goddard and C.G. Jung and and folks who both have done work in the manifesting and psychological realms as well as, well as the spiritual realms, so... We distilled those points down to first identifying what in the external world you would like to change. And instead of going about a plan of attack, number two is creating an image for that. And remember, an image can be a visual image, which it often is, but it could be anything. It could be a song. It could be a texture. It could be a taste. It could be a scene in your mind, It could be a memory. Um, It could be a lot of combinations of those things. But an image that is speaking to you about the arrival state of that shift. So in other words, like I mentioned last time, if you were dealing with a health issue, your image would be about that perfect state of health, or how you were feeling, knowing that is completely resolved, completely taken care of. So, that feeling, that image. And then, three, which is really important, and for me, tricky, um, is then to forget it, to forget it. And I had a great bit of wisdom, you know, find me in the time since we've spoken, which I'm going to share with you in a moment, about working that muscle, about forgetting it, because that is an active ingredient. We have to lean into the faith of this new belief system. And I don't mean faith in an um, abdicating responsibility. Oh, the gods will take care of it. we are co-creating, I would offer, by intentionally then releasing. So that's important because I think... You know, there are some folks who engage in what I would call spiritual bypass where they just sort of throw their hands up and say, you know, whoever's going to take care of this, God's going to take care of this or whatever. And that's not what we're talking about here. And I really, with all of this sort of quantum and visualization and imaginal work that is so fascinating to me right now always traveling with that is, does anything that I'm doing right now or embracing have anything to do with spiritual bypass? Because I think it's something to really be aware of. But this four-step application that we covered last time, and, and I'm touching on again now, we are adding our key ingredients and then releasing very intentionally to the flow of life, the universe, the gods however you would like to fashion that in your mind that is an active ingredient and so it's not just throwing up your hands and just saying well whatever no we've done the work we've we've identified we've gotten specific and then once we've done that and i i remember saying last time on a daily basis like in your meditative state whatever that is for you walking um you know, spending time alone in the morning before the busyness, what have you, then that releasing that image out to do its work is really essential. And then number four, we talked about the bridge of incidents that comes from Neville Goddard's work. And it's a great term because it also provides an image that if there's any feedback or disturbance perceived disturbance in the system of your life. In other words, back to the health example, like having a recurrence of a symptom, you ignore it, you ignore it, and then perceive that this is a bridge to exactly what has already been accomplished. It's really essential not to layer the idea of time into what we're doing. So we don't want to put a time frame on it, nor do we want to create more time upon experiencing the arrival. And I know that probably sounds paradoxical, but what we want to do is when we release that image, know that it is already accomplished right then instantaneously in the ways and means of the divine, you know, web out there doing its thing. And I can't, time and time and time again in my meditations and in just really synchronistic and creative messages, whether I'm reading them or listening to them, or they're just finding me in my daily life or in my dream life. I really get the sense that the universe loves like sorting this stuff out and it likes sort of doing the miraculous and we got to let it do it. That's its joy. That is indeed its joy, is to like come at us with a solution out of the freaking blue. I mean, I love that. And so we've got to let the universe do it. And if you think about any person's story, when they're telling you about the, the moment when the chips are down and they're at their most despairing moment, the miraculous just comes through in a way where our hearts all lean into that story. And we do that because we know that's really how this works. So I love being part of that. And I will not lie to you. That is my challenge is I believe this. I believe this. It's the only thing that makes sense to me anymore, um, given how to create things in my world this is the only means that that makes sense to me anymore so it's not about believing it's not about my inability to be specific i've done a lot of inner work about what is really important to me in my life the challenging thing for me is allowing the universe to shower me with its blessing And that's what I wanted to share with you today because my last week has been really filled with this inner discipline because I am doing this. I am teaching what I'm learning right along with sharing it with you and I'm putting it into practice. And like I said, you know, a bunch of helpful hints came at me. Again, that's the universe speaking to me by my way of understanding that and, and giving that meeting, meaning a lot of helpful information came my way about tweaking what we talked about, these four steps. And Jose Silva, his work with the Silva mind control method, don't make that a scary term. <laughs> it just means, you know, you're training your mind, to drop into the meditative state where you have more access to the divine template as opposed to just the noise that's going on in the beta state of mind. So I'm not an expert on all of these states, but right now you and I are in beta because we're talking about concepts and so we're sort of in our our intellect and when we're in a more relaxed state, maybe like daydreaming or something like that, alpha is like seven to fourteen cycles per second, and that's more relaxed than beta. but it's like you're still engaged and you're you could still have a conversation with somebody, but you're in a slightly more dreamy place, I guess. And I don't mean that in the pejorative sense. I mean, you have access to those other dimensions and the the Silva method, which you can easily Google, there's all kinds of great information out there on it, talks about how to train your mind to sort of go into these alpha states when you need to problem solve, when you're in the midst of a negotiation or a conversation that you feel would benefit from having that that greater intelligence speak to you while you are navigating, you know, the external world. It's like having a foot in both worlds, if you will. And then the Silva training methods go above and beyond that down into theta and delta states. So I I can't recommend that enough because it's come up for me several times to check that out. And just the little bit I've done in the last, seven to ten days researching the Silva method has been invaluable in helping me strengthen my approach and, and the way I am framing the steps that we talked about last time. So I highly recommend that. And just a little note about who Jose Silva was. He was not like this formally trained you know, psychologist or anything. Um, his story is really cool in that he was, um, a radio repairman and then he got really interested in psychology. And I, I love the stories where just quote unquote, ordinary people stumble on to really important psychological and spiritual concepts. And, and they keep following it because for, for me, that adds efficacy to things, And it's not because I don't value science or academia or the scholarly approach or things like that, but I have always had a very strong inclination that all of this work that is exciting to all of us, if you're following this podcast or if you follow these threads, this belongs to everybody. This does not belong to only the people who can go to fancy schools and learn about this. Fancy schools are awesome. I had the great fortune of getting to attend Pacifica. I mean, I feel deeply blessed about that. But this belongs to everybody and this is accessible to everybody. And and I've always had that servant's heart about this work because I've met a lot of people in academia that don't have that approach and it really bugs me. You know, that's something I don't I don't resonate with and it's um, I don't know, it it feels off putting to me that, you know, that this knowledge, these concepts should be sort of hoarded or, you know, just reserved for academia. I, I just that's not my thing. So I love that Jose Silva was basically, quote unquote, a layman servant's heart kind of guy and just kept following this and it kept revealing levels to him. And and then with the studying he did do, you can read all about that on the Silva Method website, about different ways to train the mind. Again, just from a very practical father's approach, trying to help his kids with their schoolwork. So I, I love the simplicity and the accessibility of his method. And if you have ever heard of the company called Mind Valley, um, the creator and CEO of that, his name is Vishen Lakiani, and he's super cool too. And I've always felt um, inspired by his work or his seminars or his YouTubes. And he does a lot of partnering with the Silva Method way of doing things in terms of reaching imaginally into the psyche and creating change and creating manifestations in the external world based on reaching into those deeper levels of mind. And so both of those people, Vishen Lakhiani and Jose Silva, Are excellent, excellent resources in my estimation. And I I love that they have collaborated together on advancing this work for everyday people. Even though Jose Silva has passed, his family continues his work. And so, you know, check out those resources at Mind Valley or the Silva Method and and see if that's helpful to you and and I will say that in this last week I've had three specific points come into my consciousness because of investing in this work and and one was if you are worried about the how of something that is an indication that your mindset has slipped back into lack has slipped back into a poverty or lack consciousness. The how is not our lane. The bridge of incidents, right? That's what we have to go back to there, is if we're struggling with the releasing of the image into the psyche, into the psychic space to do its thing, and then we're in the forget it stage and and we're just being as positive as possible embracing what comes, not judging it. If you're struggling with that and you're starting to wonder about the how, just just know that that is the idea of lack and that is simply an idea that is not a reality. That is something that we can let go of. So that was super helpful to me. I'm like, okay, I love linking that to that's lack, you know, trying to come in the back door of my experience here. And then Jose Silva himself, I loved this. I I hope you find this helpful, too. He speaks of faith, again, faith in this new system, not just blind faith, throwing up my hands in the air, but faith in in this very intentional, imaginal approach using these deeper layers of mind. He refers to faith in that sense as a creative force. That was so enormously helpful to me to think of faith as a creative force. To me, it hadn't seemed active until I read that. And he, Jose Silva, attributes three points to that creative force. One is desire. The second is belief. And the third is expectancy. So this echoes what we did last week, but it just, it's another way of distilling the information. So let's look at desire. That is a loaded word for a lot of people because earlier on in our spiritual walks or our depth psychological perspective, desire can sometimes be linked to being a narcissist or whatever, You know, like you're going out into the world looking for things, your desires to fill the void of emptiness within. And once we've done some work, inner work in that regard, and we're conscious of not seeking external things to fill something that is perceived as a void on the inside, then... I think we need to come into a new relationship with the term desire, because if we're not using external fixes to pacify the ego, we must have a desire in order to come into this mental space, use the imagination in the way it was intended for us to use. So If the word desire is triggering to you in any way, and I think there is a lot of even religious training about that, even, I would argue, the Course of Miracles, which I studied a bit in college, um, and not because I grasped all of that in college, but that's when I was first introduced to it, and it's a remarkable, remarkable study and I I really honor it. Having said that, I I think we have to be really clear that, for example, Marianne Williamson, whom I adore, she talks about in one of her lectures, based on The Course in Miracles, I I remember it vividly, because I listened to her lectures a lot during that point in my life. And If you don't know the greater context in which she was speaking, I remember her saying something to the effect of, you know, if you were in a counseling session with your beloved or whatever, and they turned to you and they said, what is your desire? And she kind of had a funny response to that, meaning humorous regarding to the audience. And she said to leave this room and I know now what she meant by that. What she was saying was, from the deep, deep spiritual work perspective, we cannot look to the other to fulfill us, right? And that's the context she was coming from. But that lodged in my consciousness a bit. And that's not her fault. And that's not the Course of Miracles fault. And it's a journey I had to wrestle with and be with for a while. So You know, no harm, no foul. But it's an example of like, even with the most amazing texts, which I would argue that is one, hearing that at a certain point in my life, I misconstrued it a bit, you know, the message about desire. And I, speaking for myself, have had a very sort of shy, guilt-filled relationship to that word, because maybe I'm not being spiritual enough, or maybe I should create this for myself. Well, yes, you should create this for yourself, but it's just a matter of how you're going to go about doing that. When you're doing that externally, it could be blocking the experience of getting to know yourself. If you're doing it internally creating desire from the internal space, you are stepping into your role as the divine sovereign of your life. So those are two very, very, very different propositions. And I see that distinction now. And I'm so grateful that desire from the outside in, let's just put it real succinctly, is something to be suspect of, be super careful with. Desire from the inside out... That's stepping in to your role of authentic self. So these distinctions are important. So looking back then at Jose Silva's three points of the creative force. This is a creative act to hold faith means being clear on that desire, being clear on your belief, belief in this inside out role of creation, and then expectancy Expectancy is very similar to what I was saying last week about forget it. You know, you you don't sit there and watch the cosmic pot try to boil. You don't try to intervene. You don't try to swoop in and see if you can help. And that for me personally has been one of the most challenging things. And I just embraced that this week because I'm like, okay, I, I have to find my way through this. And I've come up with a good exercise, I think, that I'm going to share with you in a moment to help with that, if that is also a point of struggle for you. It is helping me a lot, this little exercise I came up with. Um, but I, the deepest part of my heart, if I'm being totally honest, really wants that expectancy, that experience of expectancy, like, in my bones, I know that's the right way. And it's just my mental thoughts and my mental programming and the way I was raised that says I have to get in there and, and prove my worth or prove my value or show that I'm laboring on my own behalf. And certainly we get that a lot in this culture as well. We must do our own work. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I define, quote unquote, doing the work. I re- I define, quote unquote, being responsible, completely differently than I did before in my life before understanding these more depth psychological consciousness states way of creating. There's that external way of go out and be a hard worker, and that's an important phase, absolutely. But then that begins to break down, I've said it a million times, and we have to start creating from the inside out. And then the quote unquote effort is the vigilance of the mind, not laboring. The effort is in watching what the mind wants to do to trip us up and just being vigilant about that, being focused about that. So thinking back in my own childhood, and this is 100% not throwing my parents under the bus at all or any parent under the bus. We have to be clear about what our very, very early signals were in our life, because those are probably the ones that are trying to get in the way of this leaving the universe alone expectancy piece. I would argue. And so let's look at that for a moment, because I just like I said, I embraced the struggle that my mind wanted to create around that idea this week. And it took me back to early, early, early programming. And again, these were all doing that. If you have children, you have given programming to your children that probably wasn't stellar because you were reacting from things in your own life and all the rest of it. So there's no blame, no shame around this clarity. It's just clarity to help move our own sense of being able to engage with the imagination effectively forward. And I like thinking of a beacon, okay? I actually had a moment in my life where for about a year I lived close to an airport and the 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 light of the beacon would sort of, you know, move through the closed window at night and just that constant pulse, I guess you would say, of light. Um, you might think that would be absolutely crazy making, but I was at a moment in my life where I was feeling really alone and it was comforting to me to have that beacon there. And so it was a beautiful image that just popped into my mind this week, thinking about how I could get out of my own way and, and let the universe do its thing while I lived in that beautiful, resonant space of expectancy. And I thought, okay, two early messages from my childhood were you have to work really hard, all the time, forever. And God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, that goodness applies to everybody but you. Now, those weren't messages that they gave to me as a child, but those were messages that were deeply instilled in them. And so I picked them up. And again, clearly, I've given my own children messages that they will get to discard and and reboot. So again, this is just how it happens. But the clarity around that, I realized that we do our imaginal work and in the unconscious, we may still have a signal from our own personal beacon that dates way back to childhood that's going out and saying, I have to keep working, I have to keep working, I have to keep working. (laughs) Or in my instance, the other message from the other parent, um, all of this goodness applies to everybody who's going to try manifesting or living in harmony with their higher self, except you. (laughs) So I'm like, wow, I need to really consider that those pulses are still wanting to go out and cause interference in the imaginal work that I've intended. So as Eckhart Tolle says over and over again, the awareness of that is more than enough. I have awareness of that. And so then I had this amazing idea, this epiphany in the in the past few days, that I thought, oh my god, if I were to calculate the amount of energy. That has gone into working hard my whole life, externally, internally, spiritually, what have you, and thinking or hiding from the really deep fear that maybe all this is going to apply to everybody at Mind Valley and Jose Silva's company and everybody else but me. Those two, even though those don't make sense to my rational mind, and I can sort of explain that away, those impulses, that signal going out still might be causing some interference. And I thought if I were to calculate the amount of energy that has gone into those signals going out in my personal universe, energy is neither created nor destroyed. I would like to recapture that energy which is massive and put out a new signal so i envisioned actually going to a beacon like at an airport and watching it and seeing it you know blasting out into my personal matrix of design of you know creative matrix you know this idea of the goodness of the universe is going to apply to everybody but you, or you must keep working harder. You can't, you haven't cracked the code yet. You know, you can't relax. And I saw that going out. And then taking a tip from some of Jose Silva's stuff, I reprogrammed that message to say cancel. I first did that. I want to cancel that because I want that energy to still be mine in service of something else so i just said cancel i'm i'm canceling that idea but the beacon is still mine and all the energy that in 51 years has supported those two ideas in my life is still mine because i'm not I'm not telling it to go away and that it doesn't belong. That's a that's one of the huge huge gifts of depth psychology is that all of these things belong, the light, the dark, the up the down, the duality, it all belongs in wholeness. But I'm going to choose now through this wonderful mechanism of desire what I would actually like that to look like. So something to the effect of I can relax. I relax in the arms of the universe. This is the new message. Or something to the effect of the universe 100% shows up for me. And that, coupled with the steps that we were doing last week and this week, desire, belief, expectancy, along with this signal work, this beacon work. And then more broadly, doing these sorts of steps in an alpha state in meditation, etc., where it's piercing more into the unconscious. These are my little tips for this week. But this idea of what signal Might I be sending out that's trying to throw sand in the gears of these new habits that I am employing on my own behalf, on the behalf of my heartfelt, soul-inspired desires, not desires that are trying to fill an egoic void? So I offer that to you to play around with and, and see what happens and one last thing i wanted to share because it's such a, a happy note on which to end and that is a woman who also did tangential work with jose silva is a woman you can look her up in wikipedia her story is pretty amazing her name is helen hadsel h a d s e l l helen hadsel and she in the early '70s, you know, she was like a a homemaker and a mom, you know, very sort of traditional setup. And she, I think, had read uh, read Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking, or or one of those sorts of books. I'm forgetting maybe the exact. Anyway, one of those early sort of psychology books about the power of positive thinking, and. By her very nature, because I I also YouTubed one of her interviews, she's just a delight. And she's so, she has since passed, but you can YouTube um, an interview of hers. And she's so, has such a sense of mischief and wonder and playfulness and trust about her. And so I think perhaps her personality and her life circumstances were somewhat wired to lend that lovely sensibility to her efforts in the beginning. And then, of course, she had read, you know, The Power of Positive Thinking or one of those sort of texts. And she is so sweet and so fun. But initially, she started to enter all these contests and like a contest for a bike for her ch- one of her children. And... In her interview, you see that she says, I never considered that I had any competition. In fact, the only competition she said that she knew she had was with herself. And obviously she meant, you know, negative thinking getting in the way. And so she got really good at just saying, this is done. And dropping into that beautiful state of expectancy. And this is without any sort of modern training, if you will. Um, She later started working with Jose Silva and others and, and had sort of a lecture and book career later in her life. But early days for her family, she became known as the contest queen. She won like nine trips to Paris, all of these things for her family you know, just little extras, a trip to Disneyland for the kids, bikes, you name it. And just joyfully, joyfully doing this and being, it was, it seems to me listening to her that it was very easy for her to drop into expectancy. But that little tip of the only competition I had was myself. That was another huge jolt that, Life provided me this week. So this idea of the signals, this idea of the only competition we have in this beautiful process of using the imagination in, in a way to create, the only thing we're up against is old programming. That is for sure. There is so much to go around. Me winning or creating anything takes absolutely nothing away from anybody else and that is a universal truth. So I just happily share these tips. I continue to grow and learn and refine my own skills at this. But I hope that that some of this is helpful to you. And I wanted to end with the thought that, you know, we've often talked about folk and fairy tales and myth in the course of the podcast, I love returning to those sources of wisdom and instruction. And it, it occurred to me once again that often when you find that one of the protagonists or the main characters is without parents, or the parents have died, um, or they're orphaned in some way, I saw so clearly all over again that psychologically speaking that means they've been able to reboot those initial signals they have been able to create a blank slate if you will from any early programming and decide what signal is going to be going out on the conscious and unconscious more importantly levels in resonance with what we are creating and, and the beautiful lives we are creating for ourselves. So I, I just wanted to throw that in there that, you know, in the myth, mythological space and in folk and fairy tales, you know, it's so rare that there's like a positive parent and or, or, or if there was, you know, they die. So the the idea of the death of the parent or being orphaned, I think when we look at it in terms of this signal sense that that I've described here, I think that's enormously helpful because then the soul can continue to roll on in its adventure. And so bringing that lighthearted spirit that Helen Hadsell has and further refining some of these some of these perspectives and tips along the way. I just wish you well as we continue to grow and relax and be expectant about all the goodness that is literally trying to flow into our lives at this very moment. So with that, one last thought before we go for today, and that is another really great strategy, is to say thank you in advance. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Visualize being the moment just after your wish has been fulfilled. Your image has come alive in the external space. And thank the universe, the gods, the higher self, whoever. <laughs> for their beautiful assistance in this process thankfulness i think is also a beautiful accompaniment to expectancy and we can all do that and i i just liked that idea it's kind of a a riff on gratitude you know i i really believe in being in a state of gratitude but i i like this somehow better (laughs) because it's like thank you for this thing that i already know exists and is already on its way. And I'm just about aligning with that. So thinking in advance that it is a done deal, I think is enormously powerful. Thank you for traveling with me. I wish you well. We will speak again very soon. Enjoy the harvest season. And until next time, take good care. Enjoying this podcast, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if my work is nourishing your heart and imagination, consider supporting the Apothecary Podcast. Just follow the links to make a contribution. And for the full scope of my projects and offerings, including my weekly newsletter, visit lauriegreen.net.